0: Welcome to 100 PM, the show where we're interviewing 100 expert product managers around the globe to bring you all the actionable advice you need to succeed in product. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, product coach and founder of The Development Factory. And today, you're listening to How to Define Your Product Strategy, an exclusive multi episode series featuring Gib Biddle, former VP of Product for Netflix. Today's episode is From DHM to Product Strategy.
1: You have ideas to delight customers, to build hard-to-copy advantage, and experiment with your business model. Now what? The next step is to tease out high-level hypotheses that combine delight, hard-to-copy advantage, and margin. Achieving two or three of these objectives with a single strategy is at the heart of good product strategy. Below, I outline a dozen of the high-level theories that Netflix explored over 15 years, along with a brief description of each. Half of these strategies failed, but many of the winners combined delight, hard-to-copy advantage, and margin enhancement. The first, personalization. Today, Netflix personalization delights customers in hard-to-copy, margin-enhancing ways. Over two decades, the percentage of recommendations that customers choose increased from 2% to 80% making it easier for customers to find movies they'll love. Personalization also supports the business by enabling Netflix to predict the number of members who will watch original content, allowing Netflix to right-size their original content investment. The second, easy. Netflix wasn't simple at launch, but became simpler over time. Netflix learned to add features that customers value and remove those that do not. A surprising example in 2018, the decision to remove movie reviews. Now that members can quickly hit play or quit at any time, they no longer need reviews. Social. Netflix experimented with Friends for six years. The hypothesis was that Friends would suggest great long-tail movies, creating both delight and margin, but also create a hard-to-copy network effect. The effort engaged only 6% of members, however, so Netflix cut it in 2010. Unique Movie Finding Tools. In 2005, the vision was that personalized previews would begin to play on each member's homepage, delivering both delight and margin. The personalized choices would be lower-cost, long-tailed titles. The effort failed, however. Customers found the previews annoying, and the experiment did not move any of its proxy metrics. Price and Plans Given the need for ongoing business model experiments, there was constant price and plan testing. Ads and used DVD sales In 2006, Netflix explored two alternate business models, advertising and used DVD sales. Both businesses generated higher profit, but were killed in 2008 when Netflix began to deliver higher margin through its core DVD-by-mail rental business. Next day DVD delivery, a source of delight for members, DVDs arrived the next day in the mail. Netflix achieved this through a network of automated shipping hubs. It took Blockbuster years to replicate this capability. Streaming. It's an obvious win today, but it was unclear when Netflix should launch its streaming service and how to acquire content. Today, there's a hard-to-copy advantage in the technology that Netflix employs to encrypt and deliver video, and customers love watching movies instantly, anytime, anywhere. Entertainment. In 2005, the Netflix product team worried it was building an undifferentiated Automated vending machine. Ultimately, Netflix tested Macs and animated hosts on the PlayStation, but the experiment failed. The incremental increase in delight did not outweigh the cost of the effort. And an automated vending machine was on-brand for a service whose brand promise is movie enjoyment made easy. Open APIs. In 2006, when Facebook, LinkedIn, and others opened their application programming interfaces, To enable partners to innovate on their platforms, Netflix followed suit. The intent was to let a thousand flowers bloom, but none did. Later, however, the APIs became the foundation for Netflix's device ecosystem. Device ecosystem Netflix launched streaming in January of 2007 on PC based computers. The Mac followed shortly, but members wanted to stream movies to their TVs, which required partnerships with hardware manufacturers. In late 2008, Netflix launched on Xbox. Later, PlayStation, Wii, Roku, Samsung, and nearly all DVD and Blu-ray manufacturers followed. By 2012, Netflix had critical mass with hardware partners. They created a hard-to-copy network effect that also delights customers who enjoy watching anytime, anywhere. Exclusive DVD content. During the DVD era, Netflix tested exclusive content via Red Envelope Studios. But without the economies of scale Netflix has today, the effort failed. Original content. Netflix launched its first episodic TV series, *Lilyhammer*, in 2012. By 2013, its $100 million investment in House of Cards delivered a hit. Interactive stories. In 2019, after experimenting with children's Choose Your Own Adventure videos, Netflix launched an adult-branching story movie, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. It's early days for this experiment, so it's hard to evaluate its effectiveness. We do know, however, that an interactive version of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt will launch soon. High-quality video and sound. One of the early lessons at Netflix was the importance of staying focused on making the core product better. Netflix's continued effort to improve both video and sound quality is a good example and the technology required to do this is quite hard to copy. And today, Netflix generates higher margin through its higher-price Ultra HD plan. All the efforts above are motivated by the desire to improve customers' experience in ways that build a hard-to-copy, margin-enhancing experience. I'll give you a quick summary of what worked and what didn't. Personalization worked. It delighted, it was hard to copy, and it improved margin, creating a simple, easy experience— That worked. Both delighted and helped build margin. Social was a failure against all three attributes. Movie finding tools, again, failure on all three attributes. Price and plan testing, positive on delight and positive on margin, not hard to copy. Ads and used DVDs added to the margin, but didn't create enough delight, and it wasn't hard to copy. Next day, DVDs arrive in the mail. That was a positive on all three attributes. Streaming, positive on all three attributes. Entertainment, failure on all three attributes. Open APIs, failure on all three attributes. Device ecosystem, delights and it's hard to copy. Exclusive DVDs, failed on all three. Original content, succeeds in the modern era on all three attributes. Interactive stories, too early to tell video and sound quality improvements. Helps delight, it's hard to copy, and it improves margin. Netflix did not test all the ideas above in parallel. Each year, Netflix took on about four to six product strategies. Here were the significant efforts in 2005. Personalization, keeping things easy and simple, social, margin enhancement, unique movie-finding tools, and next-day DVD delivery. Each of these efforts had a dedicated pod made up of engineers, designers, products, and data leaders. Here's the next set of product strategy exercises. This is exercise number four. Given your product's potential delighters, hard-to-copy advantages, and business model exploration, what are four to six hypotheses you'd like to test in the next year or two? That's the question. In the following essay, I'll demonstrate how we fleshed out the six high-level hypotheses from 2005 to form a cohesive product strategy.
0: This word strategy is so scary and dangerous. and People either love to be called a strategist or they're loathe to use the term because it can mean so many different things. What strikes me about your essay is that strategy or strategies are short-lived, it seems, and almost code for experiments, really, which takes a lot of the oomph out of the word and makes it like, here's a bunch of things we're guessing about over the next three months or over the next six months. Is that what you're basically calling product strategy?
1: That's a great interpretation. So If the job is to delight customers in hard-to-copy, margin-enhancing ways, the question is, what's the body of work you're going to do to try to do that? You can say, what are my high-level hypotheses and theories about how to do that? Or you could say, what are my product strategies? It's all the same for me. For me, a product strategy is a bit of a theme. So in the case of personalization at Netflix, that lasted that theme forever, right? It worked. A strategy that had a much shorter life because it was a failed theory, a failed hypothesis, was the experimentation around the social strategy, this idea that you could connect with your friends within Netflix, you'd share great movie ideas with your friends, and you wouldn't want to leave because of that. You had sort of a network effect. That was a failed hypothesis. Over time, you kind of keep the winners. Over time, Netflix was all about keeping things simple and easy, about creating this personalized experience, about instant delivery, next day delivery of DVD or streaming. It was about creating this huge device ecosystem where you could watch anytime, anywhere. And then eventually it was about original content. But you're right. I think the word strategy, it shouldn't be scary. Think of it as, what's my theory or hypothesis about how I will delight customers in these hard-to-copy, and margin-enhancing ways? That's the right way to think about it.
0: So if I were to scaffold this in and take NUCO, baby NUCO that hasn't laid a single stick in the ground, so to speak, it sounds like what you're really saying is there is only one strategy for every product business, which is DHM. And then you start with your first handful of guesses, and then those guesses which prove out success can become persistent corners of your unique strategy. So if we use personalization in the example of Netflix, we say, all we wanted to do was delight customers in hard to copy margin enhancing ways. Then we came up with these four to six, four persistent personalization is the Netflix product strategy.
1: Yeah, it's one of them, correct. Yeah, you're right. It's true that I'm trying to demystify this concept of product strategy. And in large part, what I noticed in the product world in the last five years, there was so much focus on how you build stuff, you know, around agile, et cetera. And I've just been nicely trying to bring the conversation back to what should we be building? What's the important stuff to build? Strategy or these high level theories and hypotheses is trying to answer the question and trying to answer the question, how the heck do I delight customers in hard to copy margin handsome ways? So I'm trying to vastly simplify that. And by the way, it's hard.
0: (laughs) I love that. Gibbiddle, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell our listeners how they can reach you, learn more, stay in touch, hire you, fly you to China?
1: I am available to go to China, and I'm not hireable. So to find me, I am www.gibsonbiddle.com. I'm also Gibson Biddle on Medium. That's where I write. But uh, www.gibsonbiddle.com, you can sort of see my schedule. You can find the videos and talks I've done. I think the thing in the context of these, defining your product strategy, the most important thing is that people find, I created a shared Google doc that all, has all the step-by-step exercises. It really gives you everything you need to define your own product strategy. I think you can find that in the show notes. But you, really, you can just go through it on your own. And then if somebody makes it, like, send me a copy because I'd love to see the results of your work. I have all the data. I can see the reads. I can see the highlights. I can see the claps. Uh, the only piece of data I don't have is how many people have made the copy of the shared Google Slides. Do my Net Promoter Score Survey. So if you ever read this or if you engage in the preformatted Google Slides to build your own product strategy... Tell me what you think. It's easy. It's between zero and 10. Zero sucks and 10 is great. It'll take about one minute of your time. And the feedback's amazingly helpful to me.
0: All right. You've been listening to 100 PM with Gib Biddle. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks a ton, Suzanne, for having me. It's been great.
0: Thank you for listening to 100 PM, the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe in the Apple Store at Google Play or on Stitcher or leave us a great review so others can help find us. If you want to get in touch directly, email Suzanne at 100productmanagers.com or visit us on the web. Thank you.